God is definitely here, I can assure you. That first song, I was undone from the minute they opened their mouth. How great to have you here today and how great to have you online. Just us all joining together, which was great. If you are online today and you haven't prepared communion and we're going to be taking it together at the end of the service. So you've still got time to prepare what you can so that we can just really celebrate and honour and thank Jesus for what He's done. Well, as we gather today, there are so many aspects and details to remember and to be thankful for as we focused on a costly plan that God had chosen upon to redeem a lost humanity, you and me, so He could spend eternity with us. God's plan was birthed in love. I don't think any human being can totally understand it all. But most of us are, you know, can capable of handling perhaps being responsible for, you know, 100 people, 200, 1,000 people. But no one can be responsible, could even imagine what it would be like to be responsible for all of humanity. Our limited human mind can't even imagine to begin what it must be like to hold the whole future of mankind in one's hands. And it's bad enough when someone hurts you. You think when somebody hurts you, we begin to imagine, we can't even begin to imagine what God must have felt like. When the mankind He created to have a relationship with, that it was that we were His prized possession, turned our back on Him, said, don't want anything to do with you. You know, feelings of revenge, justice, payback, bitterness, That's what we gravitate to, don't we? But what sort of love does God gravitate to? That instead of justifying His feelings, He would choose a greater and a more costly option to give of Himself to pay for the price of our wrongdoing. Can you even get your head around that? Years ago, when Adam and Eve first sinned in the Garden of Eden, the canvas portraying Calvary, started to be painted. How easy it would have been for God to wipe us out. Sorry, creating mankind started out to be such a good idea, so special to me. Who knew how wrong it would go? Delete that, let's start again. And the amazing thing is there's something about us. Don't ask me what, there's something about us that God wanted to redeem the whole situation rather than forget about us, rather than forget about you and me. And I believe the very DNA of God, love, a power far greater than we could ever, ever imagine, motivated Him to give of His only Son, Jesus, to pay the price that no other human being could have paid. Before Jesus was arrested, when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, I feel that this is where He nailed the sacrifice, physically, mentally and spiritually, that He was going to make dying on the cross for our sins, all the sins of humanity, past, present and future, once and for all. He agonised over and over. On three separate occasions, he prays a similar prayer in Luke chapter 22, verses 42 to 44. 
Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. When human hands fastened the divine hands to the cross, it wasn't the soldiers that held the stand. Sorry, it wasn't the soldiers who held the hands of Jesus steady. It was God, His heavenly Father, who held them steady. Our heavenly Father, looking down on of all of humanity, at the same time looking down at His only Son, and with the full might and power of His love. He steadied Jesus to take the worst punishment ever, the full weight of mankind's sins. Jesus didn't die from the wounds in His hands and the feet on the cross. He died of a broken heart. Such was the indescribable emotional agony when He endured the full weight of mankind's sins. But it wasn't only that. There was something that Jesus hadn't planned on, that he would feel his father had turned his face from him, that he had forsaken him. When I think about Jesus willingly agreeing to be the ultimate sacrifice for your sins and mine, and how he was so brutally beaten and marred beyond recognition, hanging in agony on the cross, having taken on the full weight of the sins of the world, I can't even begin to imagine how emotionally gutted he must have felt when he uttered this cry in Mark 15, verse 34. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus knew he would be killed, but he also knew and trusted his heavenly Father to raise him from the dead. We see there are a few references in the Bible where Jesus was teaching His disciples about this. In Mark 8, verse 31, He said, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that He must be killed and and after three days rise again. Can we even begin to imagine how Jesus must have felt when the very one He was trusting to be with Him through this excruciating process and raise Him from the dead, has apparently now forsaken Him. I used to think that the Father, repulsed by the sins Jesus was now carrying for the world, had turned His back on His own Son when He was on the cross. But you know, I hold another viewpoint and it's totally up to you. Jesus asked the question, why have you forsaken me? He didn't declare Jesus had. He was asking a question. And there's a big difference between asking a question and making a declaration. When Jesus absorbed the darkness and weight of the sin of the world into Himself, He had the sense of abandonment by God the Father that sin always brings. Blinded by sin now that he was carrying and horrified by its effect on him, the man Jesus cried out of his humanity. 
Why? Why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he identified himself with every person who has ever felt abandoned by God. He became one who felt isolated, lonely, abandoned, forsaken and hopeless on behalf of you, me and everybody who would ever feel this way. The question Jesus spoke was a direct quote from the prophetic Psalm 22, where in the first verse, the psalmist asked, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is noteworthy that on the cross, this is the only time Jesus ever called His Father God and not Father. Having become sin for us, He could not feel or sense His Father's embrace at that moment. The Gospels don't record the answer to that question, but Psalm 22 does. In response to the first verse where the psalmist David describes his pain and then prophetically Jesus suffering on the cross, there is an answer in verse 24. Here's the answer to that question of Jesus, the question of the psalmist David and the question of every person who has ever felt abandoned by the Father. Verse 24, for He, God the Father, has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden His face from Him, but has listened to His cry for help. Sin may deafen our ears to the answer, but the reality is the Father has never and never will despise, not think you're worthy of consideration or turn His face from you, forsaking you. He is always here with you and He was with His Son, Jesus. The very hand that placed you on the planet was prepared to give you, give us His only Son, Jesus, before He would give up on you. John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So God is, our God is so awesome that when we sin, the very thing that repulses God, the incredible power of love and forgiveness is ever present, waiting to be released and extended into our lives. And that is God's grace of love, that is God's gift of love and grace in action for every single person, for you and for me. John 3 verse 1 says, How great is the love of the Father that He's lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Most people I know love receiving gifts. I don't know if there's anyone this morning here who doesn't. I do like receiving gifts. I know little kids love it. And these days there's so many wonderful and creative ways just to wrap the present, let alone the gift inside. And it's amazing how much presentation plays in adding or detracting from the gift the person is receiving. I mean, sometimes they're so fantastic, you just don't even want to cut the ribbon or cut the whatever. It's like, I just want to leave it like that. It looks so spectacular, but I do get to the present. (laughs) When God looked at mankind, He decided to give us a gift that no one else could match. You see, He didn't give us a human son as a sacrifice. He gave us the very essence of who He is, pure, 
and holy love wrapped in a human form, Jesus. Jesus carries the heartbeat of our Heavenly Father. What made Jesus so special? Human sacrifice was temporary, but Jesus' sacrifice was permanent. In Hebrews 10 verses 11 and 12, it says, Under the old agreement, the priest stood before the altar day after day, offering sacrifices that could never take away our sins. But Christ gave Himself for our sins as one sacrifice for all time. Nothing or no one else was suitable to be a sacrifice for all of mankind's sins. It needed something or someone that was pure without a single sin or fault. For Christ, it was all or nothing. And He chose to go the whole way for you and for me. Man dies once and then appears to face judgment. Jesus Christ was sacrificed once but will appear to bring salvation. Hebrews 9 verse 28 says, And He will come again, not to deal again with our sins. This time He will come bringing salvation to all those who eagerly and patiently wait for Him. God gave His best gift, Jesus, for you and for me. God looked around the hill and foresaw a scene. Three figures hung on three crosses, arms spread, head down. They moaned with the wind. All heaven stood to fight, all eternity poised to protect. But the Creator gave no command. It must be done, He said, and withdrew. An angel spoke, but it would be less painful. The Creator interrupted softly but it wouldn't be love. John 3 verse 16 said, God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him may not be lost, but have eternal life. All through your life, our loving God has been watching over you, always loving you and longing to be in relationship with you. God gave you the gift of free will a gift that would prove very, very costly for Him. You see, God isn't into forced relationships. Who wants to have a forced relationship? He wants a genuine relationship with you that you freely choose. The gift of free will enables you to turn your back on God if you want and spend an eternity like that without God. They call it hell. But you have a free will to choose to want to build a relationship with God. The sins we all commit as we choose to distance ourselves from God, if they're not forgiven, they will lead us to death. But because Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross, now we can be genuinely sorry for what we have done and ask God to forgive us. And He does and He brings us back into relationship with Him, not just for now, but for eternity. Remember, it's choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. It's choice, not chance, that determines your destiny. All of eternity stands poised right now 
to see if you will make the choice to ask Jesus to come into your life. He is knocking at the door of your heart. And today, what would you choose? The best news of all is that although Jesus died, death simply could not hold Him down. Such was the DNA and the power and the part of His life that on the third day, He was raised from the dead. God was faithful and raised Him from the dead. And now instead of building a relationship or trying to do something with a dead Saviour or a dead figure, we can have a living relationship with a victorious, living, vibrant Saviour who has victorious power over absolutely everything, even eternal death. 